Uh, well, I hope you're doing well. I want to welcome those of you watching in Duval and Issaquah as well. Uh, we are ending a series, and uh, this series is called Comeback. We're looking at a, a guy as we close out this series, sort of an old guy from the Bible. I have a birthday this week, and so people have been giving me some very offensive cards about turning older. See if you're as offended as I am at this one about uh, signs you've hit middle age. Your back goes out more often than you do. Getting lucky is finding your car in the parking lot. You're, eleva- you're in the elevator and your favorite song comes on. <laughs> I think the best thing about being middle-aged is all the dumb stuff I did uh, happened before the internet was around, and so it's not there. Uh, in fact, I asked Shane, who's uh, our lead campus pastor, I said, hey, you know, you going to get me anything special for my birthday? And he said, yeah, we're going to replace the stairs with a ramp. <laughs> I'm going to miss Shane. So, uh, <laughs> well, who is the guy that we're looking at in, in the Bible today? Is we're looking at comeback stories. We're looking at Moses. Uh, Moses is an interesting figure when you think about him, uh, not only in, from a Christian perspective, but from a, a world perspective. Moses is really a sort of a hero. Uh, Jews love him. Muslims love him. Uh, Christians love him. Uh, Michelangelo created a sculpt of Moses out of marble. Uh, The Muslims have turned what uh, they believe is a burial site of Moses uh, into a shrine, a a holy site there. we see kids are given coloring pages. Yep, of course, there's Moses, the action figure. Uh, then there, yeah, there are, and then finally, uh, you remember the Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston, who, by the way, is not really Moses. <laughs> About the same age now, though. And <laughs> then there's been animation and, uh, as well, and there's even Moses bobbleheads. There's all these things about Moses, and we really know a lot about him as sort of a, a guy of courage, a hero, uh, but we're, we're often unfamiliar with, we, we can gloss over the part that around his insecurities, his feeling of inadequacy. And that's what I'm going to hone in on today uh, as we look at Moses. If you're not familiar uh, with his story, uh, I want to give you that a little bit. So I'm going to do a little longer introduction up front. Uh, Moses was born uh, to a people who were really despised uh, by the other people in the land they lived in. Uh, the Jewish people had grown in, in Egypt to such a population, Pharaoh wanted to get rid of them. Uh, there was infanticide to kill all the baby boys in particular. Through uh, a great sleight of hand by his mom and sister, he ends up adopted by uh, Pharaoh's daughter. So he's raised in the royal household. And so uh, he has all the rights and privileges. He's educated, the best education literally in the world. Egypt was probably the most advanced society uh, of the day. Uh, He didn't have to worry about anything. Uh, He's going through life and he's going to be a leader in the land when he's 40 years old. And then he sees uh, what he knows. He knew somehow that he, he was a Hebrew, one of his fellow Hebrews being beaten. And uh, there's an Egyptian there, and there's a scuffle, and uh, the guy who was beating them ends up dead. And, and you, would, you would think, well, maybe uh, there would be something that could happen. Maybe the, the Hebrew people who were enslaved would rise up and say, Moses, you're a great hero. 
That didn't happen at all. They said, who do you think you are? Uh, and then the Egyptian people, of course, they, uh, they were out to get him as well. There was a, a death sentence for him. And so then he has to run because he had the right impulse. But that, that one impulsive act uh, started to define his life. And as a pastor for over 20 years, I've seen it again and again and again, where people will do something impulsively. And it's just a moment. It can happen to any of us. And all of a sudden, that decision starts to unfold, and we're defined by it, uh, maybe for a season, maybe for our whole life. Well, this certainly was true uh, with Moses. Uh, Moses, uh, he ran off into the desert uh, to Midian, which is what we would know as the Sinai Peninsula. Uh, he, uh, through circumstance, he works for a farmer named Jethro, and not the Beverly Hillbillies Jethro. <laughs> he, he ends up marrying, marrying Jethro's uh, daughter. And so he's sort of doing his thing for about 80, till he's about 80 years old. He is an old, old guy. And what happens, though, is at that moment when he pretty much thought that everything was over, uh, God comes and he speaks to him. He has this burning bush moment. Uh, and we read this, if you'll take your outlines out of your programs, if you haven't already, in Exodus 3.10. He says, so now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And so uh, God gives him this assignment. And you would think that, hey, here's his redemptive moment. Here's the time he says, I'm back in the game. But but what does he say? But Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. Uh, after he gives, and we're going to look at some of the excuses he gave. He's saying, you know what? God, if you had a plan for me, I think maybe uh, we could have taken care of that uh, a number of years ago. But God said, no, my plan has not changed for you. Even though you've had failures, even though you don't feel like you're up to the task, uh, and, and I was thinking about that. Uh, what are the things that maybe we feel called to do and sometimes we shy away from? I, I talked this summer about the myth of omnicompetence. The idea is that I'm, because I'm good at one thing, that maybe I'm sort of an expert at everything. Uh, we can be like that. We certainly know someone like that, don't we? Uh, but here's, here's the flip side of that coin, is where we'll say, hey, you know, I'm I'm, I'm really good at this one area. I'm really good at my, my work, what I do there. But, uh, but that's what I'll be good at. And so when it comes to coming home and, and being a parent, uh, and I find this with men more than women. It's interesting, even if both the husband and wife work full time, uh, men will still sort of say, hey, I'm still not the, that's not my deal. I'm not good at that. And oftentimes, is, is not a sense of, oh, just doesn't want to be involved, is, is we feel like, I don't know what to do. I don't, I don't feel like I'm wired that way. Spiritually, I've seen this as well, where people will go and they'll be great at sports, they'll be a great person in their family, but when it comes to the things of God, we'll feel like, ah, I just, I have this sense of inadequ inadequacy when it comes to that. And in fact, uh, I've 
I've shared before about how I pastored for three years in Kingman, Arizona, uh, and uh, I don't theologically believe in purgatory, uh, but I have visited there, <laughs> and so that, that's what I would describe. But there, uh, so, so I was there in Kingman, Arizona, and, I, and we started to have a lot of people come into the church. I shared the story how we got our zoning change, uh, and that was really hard because the city council president uh, came to Christ at our church, and he was pretty anti-God. And, and uh, I was talking with him, and I said, we had, did you have any church experience before? And he goes, yeah, I did. He said, but I said, well, what made the difference when you came to our church? He said, uh, it's the first time that I really never felt stupid. You didn't make me feel stupid uh, when it came to church. See, a lot of times when it comes to God or church or something like that, we, we can feel a little bit out of our element. Well, here's the key question. I want you to think of this. I don't know what area. It could be your marriage. It could be, I, I don't know what it is. It, it could be work. It could be your vocational life. Uh, the key question is, what is the greatest assignment that I avoid? We all have one. Uh, we all have a, a great assignment uh, that we avoid. We all make excuses uh, for things, don't we? Uh, I, uh, I came across this. This was pretty interesting. It's a, it's a survey from a career builder uh, on excuses that people uh, make for uh, not going to work or being late to work. Uh, number one was uh, why they didn't show up for work. My sobriety tool wouldn't allow my car to start. That, that's probably not, an, even if that's true, <laughs> you don't want to say that one. Uh, here's another one. Uh, I got stuck in the blood pressure machine at the grocery store and couldn't get out. Uh, that's, again, a little bit of a, maybe an IQ test. Okay, uh, third one there. I forgot I was hired for the job. This was someone literally on their first day. Uh, well, they don't need to worry about that. My dog is having a nervous breakdown. Uh, another one, uh, my grandmother's body is being exhumed for a police investigation. You got to give creativity on that one at least. Uh, my toe is stuck in the faucet. Now what I want to know is how the toe got stuck in the faucet. And this is my favorite and the last one. I woke up in a good mood and didn't want to ruin it. <laughs> you know, sort of, we are great at making excuses, aren't we? And uh, my guess is it that you too can think of some area where maybe you've shrunk back from God's call in your life. And it could be something very spiritual. It could be something very practical uh, as we look at this. And so what I want to do is I want to look at Moses' story. And we're going to look especially at that part where he's saying, God, I just don't feel like I'm up to the task. And what makes us feel inadequate? Uh, I think one is we don't think we're important. Uh, we don't think, maybe, maybe we think we're important, but we're not important at the task at hand. Again, I go to parenting because I'm a parent. We can feel like, hey, I'm a big wig at work, but really at home am I that important to my kids? Uh, I provide, but you know that one of the ways we provide is not just financially, is emotionally and spiritually as well. In fact, uh, let, let's look at uh, Moses, his, his excuse. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? See, he, he, was, he was feeling like he, he just was not qualified uh, for that. It reminds me of a story 
that I think I shared a number of years ago about uh, John Bentley, who was a missionary in the Henan province of China, and he worked at a, a school uh, for children who uh, were vision impaired or weren't able to speak or were deaf. And, and, and in that school, he said it, it was different, in, at least at that time, that he was there because of the one-child policy that there was a, a lot of, you know, when a child was born with a disability, it was a really tough thing. And sometimes uh, children were sort of uh, abandoned and laid by the wayside. And so very difficult to grow up with that disability, but in that, in that culture in particular. And then he uh, tells a story about uh, a children's book written by Max Lucado, one of my favorite authors, uh, how he, they read the children's book, uh, Punkinello. Maybe you've read that uh, to your own child uh, before. And, and Punkinello is, is just a story uh, about uh, someone, a wooden person in a land of wooden people, and he didn't think he was very good at anything. And, and in that land, they would give stars to the achievers and dots to the people who, who didn't achieve, who were, you know, considered less valuable. And in the story, uh, uh, what happens is Punkinello, uh, he had so many dots that the villagers gave him not dots for no reason at all. And, and everything changed when he met Eli, his creator. And uh, when he met Eli, his creator, he said, you're valuable because I made you. And in the story, uh, then all the dots just started to fall off of Punkinello. And so they handed out this book, and, and he describes, John Bentley describes uh, what happened. When they first distributed these books to the children and the staff at the school, the most bizarre thing happened. At a certain point, everyone started crying. I couldn't understand their reaction. Americans are somewhat used to the idea of positive reinforcement, but not in this part of China, particularly for these children who are virtually abandoned or considered valueless by their natural parents because they were broken. When the idea came through uh, the reading, they are simply special because they are made by a loving creator. It changed everything for them. And the Bible is clear that we all don't have the same purpose, but that we all do have a purpose. Think about the early church. I was thinking about this. If you look at uh, the major epicenters like Antioch of the early church, that we don't have the names of any even of the leaders of the early Christian movement. There's other people we know their names from the pages of Scripture, but they made an incredible difference. And God will use, really, as we see again and again through the Scripture, those who are simply available. Another excuse, another reason we have is we, uh, we don't feel that we know enough. Uh, I, I see this uh, a lot. Uh, as I said, especially when it comes to spiritual issues, that will feel like, hey, maybe, maybe I just don't know enough. It's hard to be a beginner at this. Uh, Moses, uh, he has this same objection. And Moses said to God, suppose if I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? He, he's saying, I, 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 don't, I don't even really know uh, about you. And God answered sort of in an interesting way, he says, you know, I am who I am. And he's basically saying, tell them what you've experienced of me. 
You know, when it comes to sharing your faith, if you're a Christ follower, uh, one of the things God tells us to do is, because it's good news that we don't have to live in shame, that we can be forgiven, that we can live in God's purpose, that we're not supposed to just keep that for ourselves. And we're to share that. But it's so hard because, you know, we don't want to be one of those religious weirdos that are, you know, out there. Uh, and you're saying, no, I can't believe you called someone. No, it happened. I was uh, uh, just down in California this week, and there was uh, someone on a pier, and he was uh, shouting at the people that went by. And uh, he was actually not a bad preacher, to be honest with you. Uh, he's going to be a guest speaker next weekend. No. Uh, <laughs> uh, but the funny thing is, uh, he, he couldn't understand, and I, I really probably think his heart was good, but, but people were sort of making fun of him, and you could see that they were less receptive to Jesus after the encounter. Uh, and you know what I think would be real powerful? It's just say, hey, this is my story. This is, this is what I've experienced of Jesus in my life. And you say, well, what if people have questions? You know, that's a great, great reason. Bring people to church. In fact, this next series we're doing, we're starting a new series next week. Relationship series are always pretty big for us. He said, she said, we have some great uh, guest people I'm bringing in. It's going to be fun and I think powerful and helpful. And so after you've shared your experience, just, just bring them in, I think, in this environment, as you know, in a safe and a real way, we'll deal with the issues of life and of faith together. So, so oftentimes we can feel inadequate that. And then there's also our past failures as well. Uh, one of the biggest reasons uh, our failures haunt us today is because we don't like to own up to them, do we? Uh, when I was down in California, I was down at a conference with a few of the staff people from church, and it was pretty interesting. After uh, the first night, we got a call from Enterprise Rent-A-Car, where we had rented the car. And the person, it was pretty interesting, the person on the other line said, uh, hey, uh, I just want to confirm you're supposed to have the rent-a-car till Thursday but our system shows that you already returned it and it's back on Tuesday. And so I just want to confirm that you really turned the car back in. And I'm thinking, free car. <laughs> and I knew it wasn't right to get the upgrade to the Range Rover, but now I felt it was all part of God's plan at this moment. <laughs> so the, uh, the person, you know, and I was tempted to say, yeah, actually, we did return it Tuesday, and I'd like a refund for those other two days as well. No, seriously, uh, they were trying, they, they had made a mistake, uh, pretty interesting, and uh, was trying to sort of cover it in some sly way. Uh, we all do that, don't we? Instead of dealing with the real issues, instead of having the difficult conversation, instead of saying, hey, this is where I'm at, but I don't want to be here anymore. Uh, we read what Moses uh, uh, said. Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say the Lord did not appear to you? Why do you think he would say that in particular? Because remember when he had presented himself as sort of a deliverer for the Jewish people, and they didn't follow him then, he's like, why am I any more credible now? They're, you know, he's thinking, you know, they're not going to believe me. If God spoke to me. They're going to think I'm, you know, I had sunstroke while I was out in the desert. 
And he's thinking too much about his past failures as defining him. You know, here's one of the things when we, when we take action, maybe, maybe spiritually, you've been in church for a long time, and you've gone through some deep waters and you've made some mistakes. You've sinned, and you feel like, okay, I still love Jesus, I want to follow him, but will, does God still have a plan for me? Maybe you're too worried, uh, worried more about what other people think about than what God is thinking about you. God says, as far as the east is from the west, that far I will remove your sins from you. It says in 1 John, if we confess our sins, he will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, God's plan doesn't change. Another reason he gave uh, was, and we have, is our personal flaws. Uh, it's pretty interesting if you look, uh, Moses says, hey, I'm not really a good speaker. Uh, we read this, uh, Moses said to the Lord, uh, pardon your servant, Lord, I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you've spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and of tongue. A slow of speech and a tongue is actually, uh, many believe, is an, uh, idiot, uh, uh, an idiom, an idiom uh, for someone who stutters. Moses was a stutterer. Uh, and I can relate to that. I was a stutterer as a kid. Uh, hard for you to believe now. Some of you are saying, hey, you know, I, I can't believe that. But I would be like, I, 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 I want a venti latte or something like that. <laughs> no, back then I wasn't saying that. Uh, but it was some people who loved me. And I truly believe a miracle of God uh, that changed, changed that. A lot of times we let our personal flaws define us. And we don't believe that God uh, can change that for us. Moses is saying, you know, uh, God, you couldn't use someone like me. And again and again, we see that God will often use us at our point of weakness for maybe the greatest ministry, the greatest achievement that we'll ever have in our life. Well, let's look as we, as we see that, as we go through the excuses. So I just want to uh, wrap this up. And how, how do we live out God's purpose in any area of your life? Uh, just real simple uh, principles here is you have to know who you are. Uh, know who, who has God made me to be? Uh, what gets in the way of this often is expectations of, uh, of others. Someone thinks we should be this way, or maybe uh, a projection of self that we, we feel like we have to be like someone else instead of the person that God asked us to be. Here are two great clarifying questions uh, for you. Is what do you think you secretly would be good at, but you've never told anyone? Maybe that's uh, something that God has called you uh, to do. And then what do you get a deep sense of satisfaction with uh, what's something you've gotten a deep sense of satisfaction even when you weren't rewarded or you didn't get any credit? See, Moses was, he forgot who he was. It says at the time uh, Moses was born, he was no ordinary child. In fact, all of these scriptures are in retrospect coming primarily from the New Testament. Uh, he had forgot that he was raised in Pharaoh's household. In fact, uh, we see in the next verse, Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. That he was uniquely qualified because of his odd upbringing as a Jewish kid in the Pharaoh's household. 
to do something significant. And then we also need to know who's called you. Uh, that it's not just about what we can achieve, but what God achieves through us. Uh, Acts 7.32, we read, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And what God is doing is he's reminding Moses, he's saying, remember how I called Abraham out of obscurity to become a great nation? And I was with your grandfather and with your father. I will be with you as well. And, and know, too, uh, that you can grow. And this is part of the change process. It's pretty interesting if you look at Moses, uh, how he's described uh, later on uh, in the Bible. It says, Moses was powerful in speech and action. Isn't that interesting? His, the area where he struggled the most was his speech. And that's the area where Moses was considered powerful. By the way, I, I think it's so important to let other people grow. Oftentimes what we'll do is we'll put someone in a box and that you always have or you've sort of always been that way. I think one of the greatest gifts that we can give someone is to see what, where they're at right now, what God is doing in their life right now, uh, and to appreciate that. It takes massive discipline to do that because usually we go to the shorthand of, oh, this is how it was when I first met you, or this is how you were two years ago or 20 years ago. Uh, and then also we need to know what we value. Uh, that'll help us as we deal with the sense of uh, inadequacy in areas of our life. W who are we living for? What's our audience? We see with Moses, uh, we read in the book of Hebrews, the great hall of faith, it says, by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. That Moses, uh, when he had that instinct, although he acted it out inappropriately to, to save that person who was being beaten and suffered injustice, that, that, that was really a God instinct because of the values uh, that he had. And then also, we have to know when to act. We have to know when to act. Uh, here's what we read uh, later on says the, that Exodus 15.2, this is after the song of Moses and Miriam, after God had delivered him uh, and, the, and the people out of Egypt. He says, the Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. I think one of the greatest lies of the enemy of our soul is that, uh, that we need to be sidelined. It's too late. You're too old. You're too young. And it seems like through the pages of Scripture that God uses one type of people in particular, uh, just those who are available to him. I mean, we think about some of the stories that even we've uh, looked at and that we find in the Bible. God uses someone like Noah, you know, who started basically a cruise line and he could only get his own family to go. He used Rahab, basically, you know, lady of the evening, uh, to deliver the people of Israel. He chose uh, Moses, a guy who stuttered and talked to shrubbery. I mean, you know, he uses all these different and unlikely people. Uh, but they said, God, I'm available to you. 
One of the uh, encounters that I remember the most as pastor here is one I had about four or five years ago uh, with someone who wanted to come to the church and also was hoping maybe even to, to find a place in ministry. And uh, this was sort of an unusual one uh, because uh, of her circumstance. And you've heard this story. In fact, what we're doing in this series, what we've done for these four weeks, is we've looked at some of the stories we've heard maybe three or four or five years ago and where they're at today. Well, this person, Carol, uh, she had actually been married to a pastor, a pastor who had been here many years ago, and uh, her world fell apart. He uh, cheated, and she worked on reconciling it, and even after that, and finally, he, he didn't want to work it on it any longer, and she was basically saying, I really need a church home. Uh, I know it might be awkward for people here. Can I come back to Timberlake? And I said, of course you can. And I think what God has done since in her story has been so amazing. And I want you to take a look at it. Take a look at this.